0: Welcome to Our Story, a podcast where ordinary people share extraordinary stories. My name is Atherva, and today I'm joined by Matt Prussian. Hey, Matt, how are you, buddy?
1: I'm doing fantastically. How are you? How are you doing over there?
0: I'm okay. You know, know, with the whole coronavirus situation here in Buffalo, uh, an already quiet town has gotten even more silent, and you know very well what I'm saying.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. This is like right around that time where people just really come out of their shell, too.
0: Exactly, yeah. So, um, for folks that are not familiar, Buffalo winters can get pretty cold, and usually, uh, most people stay inside. And uh, now that the weather's starting to get nice, this is where the city becomes pretty lively. Uh, but that has yet to happen because of uh, the quarantine that's in place right now. Uh, but Matt, I know our paths cross in Buffalo, but now you're in Charlotte, North Carolina. Is that correct? That is
1: correct. Yeah, I've been down here since uh, right before Thanksgiving.
0: Got it. So how has that transition been? Is it Does it feel like home yet?
1: Uh, it was starting to. I was kind of starting to get into my routine. You know, I just joined my, uh, my gym. I found a climbing partner. Um, you know, I still need my GPS to get everywhere. That's pretty much not work. But, you know, I, I had a crew from people that I already knew in advance, and I was already starting to gain a, a small contingent of people via the meetup scene. But that's all been put on hiatus and kind of keeping up with, touch with people that you were like barely acquainted with.
0: It's not mm-hmm. so easy. I agree. agree. And uh, I know I was uh, in your shoes when I moved to Buffalo about uh, two and a half years ago, and you were one of my first friends in Buffalo. I kind of want to talk about how our paths cross. But before we do that, I want to kind of hear a little bit more about you. So, Matt, you know, uh, for folks that don't know you, uh, if they were to look up your name on Wikipedia, what would that first paragraph say?
1: So I always wanted to say something like I wasn't really defined by one thing, that I was kind of a renaissance man with uh, many different interests and talents. But I think ultimately based on, you know, like the last five or six years, it would probably be just summed up by soccer.
0: <laughs> so I agree with the the whole soccer scene, but um, you, know, you know how the athletes have like a little bio on the right-hand side that has like their position and stats and everything. Uh, what would the highlight of your soccer career be?
1: All right. So as a player, my highlight would be my senior or junior year of high school in the county tournament. It was the, the second round. We had pulled off a pretty big upset in the first round to beat the team that was far and away the number one team in our conference. They were like 11-1. We were 5-4-3, and three, and they just uh, they destroyed us the first two times we had played them. So then we went on to the next round. The team that we had played was actually a division higher than us, and they were the 1st place team in that division, and they had an All-American on their team, and they were just the best team I'd ever played against. And honestly, any time we crossed half field with the ball, it felt like a victory because, like, they were just so much better than us. Uh, we went to the half down one nothing. They scored a free kick goal. But, like, I just felt like we never touched the ball. Um, then in desperation time, I remember there's, like, less than a minute left. We had a throw-in from our very end of, like, the, the field. We worked the ball all the way downfield somehow. Ended up getting – I think it was either a throw-in or a corner kick. Um, or a free kick, actually, it was with like maybe like 15 seconds left in the game. Kicked it into their, their defense. They kind of like headed it out our way. I stood back from the, the line because I, I had a feeling something was, gonna, something was gonna happen. And like, that was a good spot to be. Sure enough, the ball pops up to me. I flick it in to uh, my friend, Danny Kramer. Uh, he takes it off his chest. One touches over this guy, uh, Johnny Murphy. Who ends up scoring a goal with four seconds left to tie up the game. And then we ended up winning in overtime. And I just remember like the celebrations, like the big pylon we had after the game, just like the bus ride after we were just all like on an, on like cloud nine for like the next like three hours. And it was like something <laughs> that was not- only wit- wit- witnessed by like, you know, a handful of people that cut school to like early to watch the game. But as a player, I- I've never experienced anything like that.
0: That sounds awesome. I think my favorite soccer memory is actually also a tie. Uh, as well um, it was against our rival um, basically that we were in the lowest division our high school was pretty small we were in the lowest division and this team was a private school team that had just entered the public school domain oh, so they were a yeah. pretty large large team and because it was their first season in the conference they were put in the bottom division so we had someone that definitely didn't belong in that division playing there and they beat us the first uh, game we played them and we had won every single other game in our division. And so had they. So if we had beaten them, then we would have shared the conference title. But even if a tie was there, then we would have ruined their perfect season. Oh yeah. So I remember it was like, you could paint that, you know, movie scene picture where it was raining. It was like literally flooding on the field. People were sliding everywhere. You were dirty sweaty uh, and everything and they went up one and zero in the first half and then the second half I was lucky enough to score the tying goal and we were one and one and I w- never felt so much better about Lima game without a win <laughs> Yeah, but it was just like we you know we did not lose that game and we ruined the perfect season and you know the cherry on top was that I got to score that winning goal so I love how like this it's so etched in your memory i i swear that i remember it so vividly and it sounds like so to you the way you described it
1: oh yeah i I remember every single like play from that sequence i mean (laughs)
0: yeah so definitely soccer brought us together but i want to understand you know where did the love for soccer originate for you
1: um so it started with playing the game you know i played since i was probably like four years old maybe younger like as long as i can remember I mean, it's pretty typical that everybody, I grew up in Long Island, New York, that every kid, you know, their parents signed them up for soccer, because that's kind of what you did when you were young. Um, But I ended up staying through with it all the way through, you know, my senior of high school. You know, I played travel, I played in my high school team. Then after that, I ended up playing intramurals. I typically play on two or three different teams per semester, every semester. Then after that, I play in men's leagues. And even to this day, I still play. So uh, it, it's something that's
0: awesome so love for soccer started like because of just the youth league that your parents put you in.
1: Yep. It was just that. It was just a blast to play. And I, I just loved it. Uh, but the weird thing is, i never really liked watching it until really I got to college. I mean, my first memory of like watching it and really, you know, getting into it was the 2002 World Cup. But I didn't really become the fan that I am today until right around like maybe 2008.
0: 2009. Got it. So I I see you, at least from the people I know, you're the biggest U.S. soccer fan that I know. I mean, the in your apartment, you have a wall of U.S. soccer scarves, and it literally just paints an entire, like, section of the wall. And I'm talking about, about like, 30 or 40 games you've been to easily. And there's some very memorable games that I want to touch upon. And then you also have a U.S. soccer tattoo as well. So uh, I want to know, like, you know, how did you get sucked into the U.S. soccer scene? Because, uh, you know, most people get sucked into, like, Premier League, MLS, or, like, one of those yeah. bigger leagues. How, like, what attracted you to U.S. soccer?
1: So the thing was, for me, it just, I guess I never really had a, a team loyalty. So, like, to get into the Premier League, it just felt a little artificial to me. You know, you kind of pick your team, and then, you, like, you're forced to like them. But for me, like, you know, the national team, like that's your team, like decisions made for you. Mm -hmm. And like, that's the team, like you're always going to get behind. And, you know, it's like one of those things, like regardless of what the sport is, like I never cared about swimming. But like when Michael Phelps was like at the Olympics, you know, like you got behind that. You wanted to see him do well. So, right. So for me, like I always like national team sports for that reason better, because like, you know, the players, they're there. They play for one team and that's it. It's, you know, my, my same reason for like in college, you know all those players are there representing one team instead of getting traded year after year. So got it. Okay. Yeah. And I thought that so
0: 2002 world cup was uh, Korea, Japan, right?
1: Yep. It was Korea, Japan. And those games were on early in the morning. I just remember the first game, my friend had to uh, convince me to watch it because I wouldn't have been motivated otherwise. Uh, the game is at five in the morning. So I ended up driving to his house before school with three other friends that, weren't really that into soccer either and we watched that magical portugal game where portugal was predicted by many to actually win that entire world cup they were fourth in the world and did the the reigning world player of the year on their team luis vigo but then we just shell shocked them for three goals in that first half and like from that time on i've just always been hooked with the the national team
0: got it and if i remember correctly that world cup we went pretty far i think in the first knockout, we beat Mexico. Yep. And then the second knockout, we like, had a really good game against Germany and arguably lost it on a bad call. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, we lost one nothing. We got hosed out of what should have been at least a PK, potentially red card. Uh, it was a goal-line handball uh, off of a corner kick. It would have tied things up. I mean, we were the better team that game, too. Like, Germany did not deserve to win that game. Uh, So, like, yeah, that would have put us in the the round of eight.
0: So, 2002 World Cup, you're officially a U.S. soccer fan, or I should say a diehard U.S. soccer fan. And uh, how did that journey lead you to, you know, getting a tattoo on your arm, getting all those scarves in your apartment?
1: Uh, I mean, if you get into the scene, you'd see I am just – I am really like nothing compared to like some of the people involved. I I know – People that have been to well over 100 games. Um, Basically, I I just love the fact that, you know, in addition to just supporting your team, you get to see so much of the world just by traveling. It takes you everywhere. And I just love the fact that no matter where you go, everybody's into it. And you, like, can talk to so many people about it. And it's, like, something that just brings the whole world together.
0: So, actually, my first... So, yep, go ahead. I was going to ask you, like, what places has soccer taken you?
1: So the first big game that really got me into traveling with the American Outlaws, the group that I do my, my travels with, uh, the supporters group that I'm really involved with. The first game that I got involved with them for was a, a game in Mexico city back in, uh, 2013. Um, it was the qualification or no. Yeah. It was 2013. So, uh, So Mexico has always been our big rival in the region. Um, you know, up until 2002, we had never beat them in a qualifier anywhere to this day. We've never beaten them in Mexico City in a qualifier. And that's the game that you want to go as, as a fan. It's the biggest rival. Their stadium holds 110,000 people. It's one of the biggest stadiums in the world. It's one of the most hostile atmospheres you'll ever witness. I just remember seeing documentaries about prior years where the fans go. Um, And they're just, all right. So when you go there, we had to actually get a police escort. So there were three coach buses that took us from a hotel to the stadium. We had like six cop cars, like in front of us, six cop cars behind us, cops on motorcycles to the side of us. They closed down all the roads for us. It was like being like in the presidential motorcade. Um, At one point.
0: Mind you, it's not even the players. Oh
1: yeah. It's not even the players. Actually, I found out later that the commissioner of MLS, I believe it was, said that, or maybe it was the U.S. soccer president, one of them, said that we actually had more security than the team did as the fans. I remember four years prior when they stopped in front of one of the Mexican supporters bar, Mexican fans actually tried to tip over the bus. So they actually had security guards outside of that bar to make sure they couldn't even get near the bus, like near the stadium. But yeah, it was just a surreal scene. And then once you get into the stadium, they have like, I don't know, like maybe a hundred security guards in riot gear with shields that actually surround you. Like a phalanx, uh, and basically just walk you to your seats. And then when you're seated, the entire time you're surrounded by a fence with barbed wire on the top on two sides, and then that third side you're surrounded by a wall of uh, Mexican, you know, security guards with full shields, riot gear, clubs, like everything. So like you're it's it's no joke there.
0: And this is just to protect you guys from the rest of the Mexican fan base.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's just the protections from the fans. I mean, they get unruly <laughs> whenever there's a goal or when anything ever happens, they will just throw like hundreds. Like, anybody that's within like throwing distance will just take their beer, turn around, and just throw it your way. They'll throw beer, they'll throw batteries, they'll throw coins like anything that they can throw at you, they'll throw at you.
0: That's crazy. So, your first game, Mexico City, uh, that must have been a hell of an experience for the first game.
1: Oh, yeah, it was. I was kind of spoiled because I almost like never get another experience like that. Even I went back to Mexico City four years after that for another game. And even that experience just wasn't the same. They've since renovated the stadium. So it only holds 87,000 people now. And like we were put in like a family friendly section to like make it much less hostile. And that kind of like took away from the experience. Like not one thing was thrown at us. And it's actually kind of disappointing in a
0: way. gotcha do you remember the outcomes of both those games
1: yeah so the first game we ended up drawing zero zero it was actually only the second time he'd ever escaped with a a draw from uh the azteca and then the second time we actually drew one one that was the game where we actually had the lead for that game for a little while that was if you remember this michael bradley had that chip shot from like 40 yards out
0: i do yeah
1: so that one it was kind of cool because there were so many of us for that second game i think there was like 500 of us so, like, at, when he scored that goal, it was on our side. You, like, see him, and he, like, points up to us, and he, like, kind of, like, cheers us on, like, the supporters section, and he acknowledges us, and it was really cool.
0: That's awesome. Cool. And then that was your first experience, the very first game at Azteca. Where else has, uh, you know, the adventures taken you with USA? soccer? Um, I mean, it's... Have you been to any World Cups?
1: Yeah, so... um in addition to taking me all over the world domestically and over like the Caribbean Latin America, I've gone to the World Cup in South Africa, and I went to the one in Brazil.
0: That's awesome. Now, in South Africa, the most memorable game I remember is the one against Algeria, where Landon Donovan scored I think the dying minutes of the game to send us to the next round. Uh, were you there for that?
1: Uh, I was there for that game, actually. So Got a little lucky with that one. I actually wasn't supposed to be there originally. Initially, I just set up to stake my uh, base camp in Cape Town and just hope that the U.S. got seated there. So I bought my uh, match tickets for that one city. I bought my plane tickets. I bought everything in advance. Um, I didn't have the money to really travel from city to city at the time. I really had no money. I really paid for that trip with my student loans. I just took an extra large student loan. I was in grad school at the time. So um, at that point, I just, I, I knew I wanted to be in Cape Town. I had seen the movie, The Endless Summer. It's a surfing movie. I don't know if you know it at all. You ever heard of it?
0: I'm not familiar, Okay. No. So they
1: made these, uh, two movies. I think one in the 70s, one in the 90s. And these people that just surf around the world. And they just go to all these surf spots around the world. And one of the places, the most distinct place I remember seeing in both the movies was Cape Town, South Africa. So that movie actually inspired me to go to Cape Town. So there's no way I was going to any city other than Cape Town, um, and I just hoped that the U.S. played there. But it didn't work out that way. But then it turned out after like going to a couple games in Cape Town, me and my friend we decided, you know what, this is not the same. We have to see a U.S. soccer game. Let's see if we can find cheap plane tickets to Cape Town or uh, to Pretoria, because that's where the third game against Algeria was. So uh, we are in an mm-hmm. internet cafe. We had just come back from, I believe, the Portugal. Uh, north korea game um and we went to
0: that's the one where really like destroyed north korea like eight to one or something uh, crazy right? yeah like it was that.
1: seven nothing yeah it was an interesting game Seven. Nothing. yeah and like nobody really saw that coming because <laughs> north korea just played brazil a few like the game before that and only lost two to one so they actually broadcast that game live in north korea because the north korean government had so much faith that their team would put on a good show and, and that really backfired
0: <laughs> were you there like in presence and like did you see the north korean fans like how was that so that's
1: the thing there really weren't north, north korean fans to speak of because you know they can't really leave their country there i mean there's some exiles scattered throughout the world i'm sure but i mean if they're if there are out there they probably don't want to make themselves well known and uh <laughs> right and secondly they just weren't there i mean to be honest there weren't even really that many portuguese there surprisingly
0: oh got it so the stadium was just filled with random people uh
1: it felt that way more so than any of the other games i went to like i went to the game between the netherlands and the cameroon and like the whole city was just painted in orange like when the netherlands went there i just remember we there was a fan fest that was like maybe a mile from the stadium and we'd all kind of pre-game there and i just remember just walking there with all the dutch fans and it was just like this just sea of orange, like this orange like parade of people, like thousands of them just walking down this one major closed-off street from the fan fest to the stadium. It was just absolute chaos. Like they're all lighting like flares. Everybody is like decked out in like these ornate like orange outfits, and it was just it was just really cool. I thought they were like the coolest fans. I remember listening to something about them, where they said like the whole country of South Africa had like 130 Winnebago's. It said that 127 of them were rented out by Dutch fans, and three of them were broken. Oh, wow. Yeah, and like <laughs> they would just travel like as a whole caravan. and It was just really cool to see.
0: That is really cool. So awesome. So you somehow get very lucky and get to the U.S. game against Algeria, which I think is like still one of my most memorable U.S. soccer oh, games ever.
1: Like the game. It's probably the most iconic goal that's ever been scored by U.S. soccer is that Donovan goal.
0: Agreed. And I, I still remember the play. Like Tim Howard threw the ball like all the way across the the half like I think he like crossed the mid Yeah. He basically line. Threw it, like, like, just by throwing it. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. Like to have that arm strength, one. And then two, I think uh Bottle like passed it to Dempsey, who like tripped over and I was screaming for like penalty. And so, like, luckily, the, the rebound landed right on Donovan's foot, and he scored it. And we ended up winning the group that year.
1: We did. So, yeah, we won the group with that goal. But had that goal not been scored, we would have crashed out. Uh, and what would have been a huge disappointment because it was such an easy group.
0: Uh, relatively speaking. I mean, the England game, we like, tied 1-1 like, and a very lucky goal, in my opinion. And I think we got robbed the second game against uh, Slovenia. Robbed, I believe, but we were also
1: lucky to come back. I mean, we were down two nothing against the team that—that's that, the game that we really we should have handled. But uh, I don't even that game was just so memorable. But those that that first Donovan goal where he just shot it right at the keeper's head.
0: Uh, yep, like on a very tight angle. <laughs> yeah, so I remember all of this. I was back in high school. I still believe. And actually, that's when my love for soccer first started growing because my high school team only had soccer, so that's when I first got into that 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 scene. So very cool. So so from South Africa, from Brazil, from uh, Mexico City, uh, and a bunch of domestic games, which one stands out as your favorite soccer moment? Oh, uh, the
1: Algeria game, hands down. It was just like... Absolute madness. It It was only my second national, like, full men's national team game. Uh, I just remember, like, somebody unfurled, like, one of those huge, like, hundred-foot, like, American flags that went, like, right over me and my friend. I just remember seeing that pylon. Like, I went with, one other friend. And it was kind of, like, similar to you. Like, you know how you, like, asked me to go to Amos Cup because you knew, like, I was this huge soccer fan. Well, my friend was, like, kind of, like, the same but with sports in general but not with soccer. He really knew nothing about soccer. I had to explain the rules to him for every game. This is the first U.S. soccer game he had ever seen. He said he didn't even really care about the national team all that much. But when they scored that goal, he was in tears. And, like, the scenes at the stadium were, like, unlike anything I'd ever <laughs> seen. Like, fans just hung around for well over an hour after the game, just, like, in their seats, just, like, soaking up the moment, just, like like, going nuts, just, like, screaming. I just remember, like, going outside afterwards, outside the gate, and, like, everybody was just – bunched up there and like singing songs i just remember singing the national anthem like over an hour after the game had ended like just like an experience i just had like never like seen or felt like ever before and i will probably like never experience that ever again
0: yeah i'm 100 percent very very jealous because i remember being that like the way you described it but like in front of a tv (laughs) so i can't imagine being there in real life especially the friend you described that being his first game i don't think any game ever will live up to that
1: he should never go to another game because it won't be it'll be such a disappointment
0: (laughs) so even though we can't live up to that pinnacle we have actually had some fun ourselves where you mentioned the mls cup i remember when i moved to buffalo kind of like your situation in charlotte now i didn't know anyone and I think our paths crossed because I like, just went for a pickup volleyball game where you happened to be, and we just connected on soccer. I think you were wearing, like, a soccer shirt or something, and I was like, hey, yeah. do you play? Yeah, I, play I remember, well. yeah, I
1: remember you juggling the volleyball a lot. It seemed, like, very instinctual to you, it's like, juggle with your feet.
0: That's right. Exactly. Yep, yep. And I think that's how it started. <laughs> uh, exactly. And you invited me to MSK, which is, like, our local soccer hub here in Buffalo. And then that's just where, like, our friendship cultivated there. And uh, I remember I was like, hey, the Sounders are going to the MLS Cup, which is my MLS uh, team. And I was like, who the heck would want to go with me? And long and behold, I was like, Matt would be the perfect fit. And that road trip and that weekend probably, like, you know, solidified yeah. our friendship right there yeah, and there. Yeah, I remember, like, you
1: didn't even have a ticket when you went. And you
0: the- just showed up,
1: and then magic magic things happened. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Exactly. I didn't even have a ticket going in. I was just like posting on Reddit to see if like anyone had a spare. Cause like they sold out super fast and uh, it's an MLS cup, the final. So it's not like you could just go buy it at the door either. And I got lucky and uh, I just went to where the fan base was and asked if someone had an extra ticket. And there we go. I, I got one ticket where uh, I was able to get into the stadium. So very memorable for sure. And we also went to a U.S. soccer game. It was the Gold Cup recently, and I think that was like the largest win margin that I've ever been to for a U.S. soccer game. The, we beat Trinidad and Tobago six-one, and it was like a revenge game almost for when they kicked us out of the World Cup. Uh, I think the year before. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Felt good to get a little bit of a, a little that- bit of revenge, but
0: I- yeah. <laughs> And then not only that, but uh, we, I think, had like our 15 minutes of fame because you know how at the beginning of the game, we have like different TIFOs and like banners and everything. Somehow they handed me like a big banner that w- that was going to say USA and I was holding the U and you guys were surrounding me with your scarves that said AO Buffalo. So we represented AO Buffalo very well in that game. I actually forgot about that.
1: But, oh, yeah, <laughs> AO Buffalo really gets represented. Like, we actually had... What are the best chapters in the country. Like, you'd be surprised for, like, a city of our size. Like, if you go to a game, like, you'll see a lot of us. Very well known.
0: That's awesome. And at the center of all, I feel like you were definitely, like, in every AO Buffalo, like, event, I I would have known it was through you. So, uh, I know we shared a lot of memorable things together. So, I wanted to ask you more on, like, U.S. soccer. Have you met any players – uh, if so, like, what was the most memorable? Yeah, so like I've met
1: you? a few. So, I went to a game in DC. I pretty much met the whole team at that US Germany game that we won four um, three. But like, it was very brief. I mean,
0: oh, the centennial
1: game. Oh yeah, that was a centennial game. Yep. So the
0: oh, that was the one where Dempsey like like did the corner, yep. goal I like pearl or gold. Remember that?
1: I was yesterday. Yep, I remember that. I remember, I was like over yep. his back shoulder. I like saw it from the perfect view. Me and my friend were like scraping together every cent we had to buy like a beer. Like we were to the point where we were like paying like nickels and dimes, but we gathered just enough money to pay for it. We get it. I take a sip. I hand it over to my friend. Depsy scores, and then he just takes the beer and just throws it up straight up into the air for a beer shower. It was great.
0: <laughs> I think that goal oh, deserved totally that beer did. shower. So you've literally been to the best US soccer games that I have. Absolutely. So yeah,
1: I just caught it at a really good era. So from the years like 2009 to like 2013, 2014, we we were all forced. Like I just felt like any game we went to, especially on home soil, like we could beat whoever we played. Like I remember, I had a streak of 17 consecutive games I went to that we didn't lose. Like it, it was just a golden era. Like that, just we probably won't get back for a while. Like, things are, like, such a mess. Like, after that, I, I think I, I went to, like, seven or eight straight games where we lost, so.
0: Gotcha, yeah. No, we had some very, very awesome players that I'm a big fan of. And I think, like you said, I entered the U.S. soccer team around the same time because that's when I started playing soccer. And uh, Tim Howard is actually, like, close to okay. where I grew up. Well, yeah, New Jersey is uh, a so for
1: a lot of that's the soccer what, stars.
0: It yeah. is. A lot of big players that people don't realize started the Like Michael Bradley started there.
1: So I actually met him a couple Uh, times. I met him at a centennial game, but then also my second game at the Aztec, I actually met him in the airport uh, after the game. Because there was a long time where Bradley was my favorite player. Um, I thought he was like such a rock for the U.S. I thought he would go on to be arguably our greatest player ever. He never quite turned into that, but I think he also gets unfairly criticized. Like a lot of people think, oh, he's – He's just a very average player that just gets preferential treatment because of his dad. But no, I, I still think he, he's one of the greats to ever put on the shirt.
0: Um, I agree, and uh, I I was one of those doubters just because like his dad was a coach. But honestly, he is the best midfielder we've had.
1: Yeah, he's such a rock. I mean, like when he was younger, he's that box to box guy that could get up and down the field. He can't really do that anymore, so. He's not what he used to be, and it's only a matter of time before somebody overtakes him. I mean, he probably should pass the torch, but still, you, you can't deny what he did. I mean, that goal against Slovenia—that was, I mean, that, that was classic Michael Bradley.
0: Agreed. And like the Azteca uh, goal that you described, probably that was my so favorite actually goal when I saw him it. in the
1: airport. That's why I told him, like, dude, that was the most iconical, like, arguably of like U.S. soccer. Like that you just scored right there. Like that was just so perfect. I was such a fanboy, but. Whatever. I mean, other than that, the encounter was pretty, like, there wasn't a whole lot you could do because, you know, I, I felt bad. Like, I didn't want to, like, swarm this guy in the airport as he's, like, trying to get home. So, like, actually, my encounters with players are usually gotcha. pretty brief. Like, I saw him, I saw Marcelo Balboa actually at the Cleveland game briefly.
0: Yeah, we saw them. Yeah, we met him at the same time. <laughs> yep, we have a I picture with do. them together.
1: I also met um, Alexei Lawless. I actually got to play soccer with Alexei Lawless when I went to a game two years ago in California. Mm. And then I hung out and like, drank some beers with them afterwards. And actually, Chris Armist, do, do you know that name? So he was a, a central midfielder for the U.S. Uh, he would have played in the 2002 World Cup. He probably would have been our starting center midfielder. But he got injured right before the tournament. He was actually my trainer for my travel team when I was like 10 or 11 years old. But like at that time he was like nobody. He was just this mm, guy that cool. played on this local like semi professional team. And then he would go on to become, you know, one of the best midfielders in our, in our country.
0: Mm, very cool. I gotta look that up. That's awesome. So out of all this, you know, soccer has definitely been the center of it all. Um and that's how our paths cross and we've become friends. And I think we, you know, evolved that into spending uh, board game nights together, to events together, just, uh, you know, uh, I think you were like my segue into making Buffalo home. Uh, so with that being said, like, how has it been leaving Buffalo?
1: Um, so, it, like, it was getting tough. Like, had I been made the offer like five years ago, ten years ago, I mean, I would have done it in a heartbeat. It was the thing I was looking to do, but – I was like oddly at this point where like a year ago I told myself you know what I'm ready to call Buffalo at home I'm ready for this so I, I was torn but at the same time I feel like it's good to see the world it's good to get different perspectives it's good to get out there and you know change things up because like the thing about Buffalo too is you can get very comfortable there for good or bad you know some people like that and for me I think. I was ready to step outside my comfort zone again. Um, you know, I, I know plen- plenty of people that gotcha. you know would have loved to stay there and like, you know, it's, it's an easy life to live there, which is weird to say, given, you know, the harsh winters there or whatnot. But aside from that, it's actually pretty easy to live there. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I thought it was time for a change. And um, know, just new opportunities like getting to do everything over again. It's, it's very fresh here. So I I like that.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, And then last piece of this podcast, Matt leave with, uh, you know, we've become pretty good friends uh, in the past years in Buffalo here. Uh, You know, there was one piece of advice you could give me or just people in general. What do you want uh, me to take away? (laughs) No, just advice in general.
1: Uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm like the worst person for giving advice. I just kind of like, I don't know. I kind of
0: like (laughs) just, so what's like your life that's the thing i don't really have
1: anything that i live by i just kind of like live life as it comes i'm not really one to like plan that far into the future so i guess i don't know go with the flow
0: i love it and you know with that attitude it's taken you into the one of the most memorable times in u.s soccer some really cool places and uh Luckily, our pats cross, and we've had the pleasure of uh, making memories together as well. So, hopefully, we can continue that with future soccer yeah, games can't. as well. There's a quote by Bill Nye that says, Everyone you'll ever meet knows something you don't. And today, I learned from Matt just go with the flow. Maybe you'll be part of some historic moments as well. Thanks, Matt.